<laughs> Live on digital media from the vast and spacious VPod TV studios in beautiful Oak Brook, Illinois. VPod TV. 59.3, one better than the Grio. It's the weekly wrap with your host, broadcasting legend, Bruce Wolf, and his trusty sidekick, former Liberty Magazine editor and Breitbart contributor, Tim Slagle. This week's special guest, former CEO of the Chicago Public Schools and Philadelphia Public Schools and mayoral candidate, Paul Vallis. And now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Wolf. Bruce Wolf and Tim Slagle on the weekly wrap. How you doing, Tim? How's doing good. Having fun. So you were telling us uh, before the show that you actually watch uh, ABC once a day to get your little <laughs> dose of uh, left-wing uh, media. Yeah, and, hysteria. and they're wearing their hair. The men are wearing their hair. Uh, wearing pompadours their hair. now. It's George all the Papadopoulos men, all pompadours. The, all the, all the uh, yeah. reporters have big hair now. Okay. So <laughs> there's a nice uniformity uh, with them. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because uh, I noticed a tweet today from one Ginger Z, uh, who was the weather forecaster on Good Morning America. Now, I, a little background. I happen to have worked with the Ginger Z at Channel 5 when she first came to the big market in Chicago. and uh, Big hair? Did, had big hair and also was uh, very, very nice, always has been very, very nice to me. Um, and she went, I was doing the traffic. Don't ask why. That's another story. Uh, <laughs> just look at the footnotes to this. It's on page 178 of the footnotes of uh, David Foster Wallace's book. But uh, I, I, was sit, I would sit, uh, stand next to her. And she, you know, they have these microphone packs uh, in television with a lavalier microphone, but you have a pack and then sure. you run the cord up your uh, skirt or whatever. And she had the microphone pack like strapped around her calf. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I don't, you're not old enough to remember this. There was a TV show called Honey West in the 60s. She was a, uh, she was a, a Policewoman, Honey West, and she, it was Anne Francis, and she had a little mole on her chin, and she was very sexy, and she had a gun that she would pull right out of there. So I would always imagine, and then they'd say, Bruce, what, the traffic, what, the traffic. So, and I, so Ginger, you know, I've always been in favor of Ginger, but she kind of ticked me off a little bit because, you know, I like... I don't mind so much when weather forecasters talk about climate change because they're kind of tangentially related, sticking your finger out uh, the window <laughs> and determining what the weather's going to be today and then knowing what's been going on for the last 10,000 sure. years and what's going to happen in the next 10,000. Sure, and the predictions I, are just as accurate. Well, yeah, I love, it when, I love it when the climate models for something 200 years ago, that, and you've got the model right now, you could rig the model, and they can't predict what happened 200 years ago, but okay, that's fine. Uh, I don't mind that. Or 200 so minutes from now. Yeah, but but <laughs> anyway, she tweets, and I just thought, gee whiz, they're allowing people to do this. I guess it's with the pompadours and everything else. They're really, it's a coming out party for, uh, for uh, ABC. She tweeted this, likely unpopular opinion regarding the supply chain discussion. Uh-oh. What can shoppers do? Reduce consumption. Our obsession with multiple gifts, especially for kids, is beyond what's necessary. So many opportunities here to have bigger discussions, support local, shop small, and less. And I'm thinking to myself, well, does that mean that we should uh, watch the local yokel news in the morning in lieu of Good Morning America, in which case you're out of a job? Uh, you know, I, I, I think she happens to, I think she's probably auditioning for The View. I think they're, they're cutting costs right now. They can't even afford haircuts. That's why they got their hair so big. And so I think she may be uh, uh, trying to get herself sure. on The View as well. You know, she'll just go for the weather. Because sure, Whoopi sit Goldberg is yeah. his cut consumption, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would stick in the... You know, and by the and as Chris, uh, Chris and I were talking before uh, the, the show earlier today, Actually, this isn't really an unpopular opinion, as she makes it out to be. That seems to be the mantra of the left right now. Reduce consumption. Sure. It, everything is about let's, let's restrict ourselves. It's, it's the new asceticism. It's the new neo-Victorianism. It's uh, we've got to wear masks. Children have to wear masks. You, you, you shouldn't put any food inside of you. And it's all spoken by, uh, remember Tom Wolfe referred to them in The Bonfire of the Vanities as the social x-rays. You know, all the skinny women who, uh, you know, don't want anybody else to eat. And it's uh, neo-puritanical. And it's sickening, I tell you. It's find the true meaning of Christmas, Dahoo. Dory. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, so let's move. Speaking of uh, 
political correctness and the like. Um, Dave Chappelle, I have to admit, uh, I love talking about this, and I really plan on seeing that special one of these years. Uh, have you seen it? Have not seen. You it. have not. All right. Well, amen. Last week you hadn't seen it. Here, you haven't seen it now. You I, you, I, got, I have a story week. why I didn't see it. Oh, I'd rather hear that story. That's the it, meta it, version of Dave. It's because Chappelle. the worst thing is that the worst thing as a comedian you can do is actually uh, think you wrote something ah. that uh, that that you actually heard. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and, and then you get caused call, call, uh, a theft. Right. Well, I had written, I was going in, there's a, there's a workshop that I do once a year where I, I spend the whole week writing. Mm-hmm. And so I jot down notes about, you know, stuff that I want to talk about. And I essentially jotted down Dave Chappelle's entire abortion bit. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking yeah. that you had written, I'm a genius. Yeah. And it yeah. was not until you brought it up. That I, I triggered that, that right? Yeah. right? And if you had not mentioned that, you think, I would have gone into the workshop going, I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here, I got to tell you, though, something, something. I think Chappelle lifted it. Of course, everybody has lifted, you know, sure. from, from way back. Because that's the kind of thing the abortion bit is essentially... Well, if if she gets to make the decision on whether to have the baby, why should I have to pay for it? Exactly. If I have the baby, exactly. if she has the baby, but that's the the kind of stuff. Four hundred dollars. That, that's all the guy is on the hook for. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that the right wing rabble has been saying for years anyway. It's just that he sanctifies it when you know it's the cool black dude you know is saying the stuff. So go ahead and use it. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a. We'll find. No, so I'm not going to watch his special. That's the that's yeah. The bottom yeah, you don't want to feel like but you're a lot cheating. of people. Have and well, uh, there was a protest. They had 20 people. I don't think that's a quorum uh, had, because Netflix has like 9,000 employees and 20 people came out. And this is what they did to Dave Chappelle yesterday. I think it was. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like a, a hell of a lot. And uh, are you sure that wasn't the Chicago Sky Rally? Exactly. Which is the larger number? Same people. I, I, I saw the video of the Sky Rally, and you know, and, and and they deadpan. Oh, look at the people at the Sky Rally. And I'm thinking, I remember the Super Bowl rally for the Bears. You know, when it was 48 below zero, and there were millions of people lining the streets, or for the Cubs who were cheering that spouse beater, Araldus Chapman. I mean, they loved all that, but they didn't. But the Chicago sky. Uh, <laughs> the um, news um, cameras were like, can you guys crowd in a little bit oh, more? Really? So, we, yeah. so I'll get in the camera. <laughs> yeah. And then Lori Lightfoot, of course, is has a picture of herself, and she's unashamed. She's in the crowd with the sky. They're all masked in the Wintrust Arena, which I believe. Leave seats more than uh, the improv uh, downtown, <laughs> but but anyway, she's sitting, she's sitting, and she's unmasked, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Wait a minute. Why does she? Because it's good to be king. And it, I mean, it's it's the same. It's it's done all the time. It's the same thing that Newsom did at the French Laundry. Well, she's not going to get. She's not going to get any uh, droplets on anyone. I mean. It's well, pretty I, much look, from look, her they go to the ground. It's not I, that's true. That's true. But I, she's sit, she's standing there naked and, and unashamed with you know without the without the mask. And I'm thinking, is there some sort of like five second rule, like when you drop the food on the floor and you can eat it, or you you have the mask off just just for the photo op and then put it back on? I swear, I was at a uh, Zoom. Uh, religious service on Friday night, Jewish service, where they were doing such kabuki theater with because there were some people in attend actual people in attendance at the synagogue, and and the cantor, the singer, and the rabbi were like taking their mask off to talk or sing, which was the majority of the time, but then putting it back on, <laughs> then asking people for permission. I mean, I'm not used to all the semaphores of virtual signaling. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, because there's a lot more droplets when you just breathe rather I, than I, go, oh! I have no idea. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, I think that, you know, Lori was in the moment, and she didn't realize what was happening, and now she regrets it. Not. Same thing. 
that what what is what happened with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you, you don't care about the Bears that much. The, the, the Bears game, I'm, I saw it live. Rodgers scores this touchdown, which seals the deal in Soldier Field, and he's in the uh, would be the southeast corner of of the state of the stadium, and he all of a sudden goes into like a Hulk kind of thing, and then he yells at the crowd, and he basically says, "I own you," and I sure hope there weren't any black people uh, in, in in the crowd over there. But he says that, and then uh, he had this explanation for it. Aaron? What prompted that after your touchdown? Sometimes you black out on the field. <laughs> in a good way. Uh, I definitely blacked out uh, from a concussion, which isn't a good way. But uh, I looked up in the stands, and in the front row, all I saw was a woman giving me a double bird. <laughs> But I don't think he should get the special state farm rate anymore. Uh, I mean, this is I mean, this is absolutely horrible what he did. There are actually some people who, who are offended by this. I mean, Jim Brown was kind of the alpha of uh, touchdown existence when he said, "Act like you've been there before." And Rogers was kind of the omega. He he just he actually and they were actually ta- saying that he should be fined. For taunting the fans. I mean, the fans aren't part of the game. He pretty much hasn't been there before, though. Well, well, Rogers. Well, he gets his receivers to do it. Uh, but he says, "I still own you." And he had talked before about this boy that he had walked along the street with in Chicago a few years ago. Uh, how's that boy going to feel right now about Aaron Rodgers' his hero? You are such a scallywag, Aaron Rodgers. I hope you don't get that special raid from State Farm. All right, coming up, we have got uh, Paul Vallis. A uh, perennial candidate for mayor, uh, and uh, I guess there's election coming up one of these days, and uh, we'll talk to him about. Uh, I'm, I'm of two minds about the police because on the one hand, you know, I love the cops, but on the other hand, I hate public sector unions. What am I to do? <laughs> I'm absolutely torn over this. But we will be joined by Paul Vallis. We'll talk about that and about education and the watering down thereof. All coming up right here on the. Weekly Wrap. If you can financially sustain a hit, then stick to your guns, take the hit, and we will fight it. But a Cook County judge just came down on the mayor's side, at least temporarily. Judge Cecilia Haran saying, quote, my ruling is going to be that he should not make public statements that encourage his members to reject or refuse to comply with the city's vaccination policy. He can talk about the issue in private, but he cannot go on social media anymore. The order will stand until at least October 25th, when the parties come back to court. The FOP says the mayor has completely disregarded the collective bargaining process He's urging officers to ignore the vaccine mandate and predicting at least half of the force will fail to show up to roll call this weekend. The city cannot keep doing what they're doing. They have an obligation to worry about public safety, not about someone's health status. And uh, Bruce Wolf, Tim Slagle on the weekly wrap changed it up a little bit. <laughs> we should give a little credit. to uh, Who's that reporter? Nancy Dickerson, I believe, uh, NBC News. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, FOP uh, president. And we are pleased to interpret all this because I don't understand Chicago politics. I moved out of the city in 1958. A man who would be mayor of the city of Chicago. Should be mayor. Should be mayor of the city of Chicago. Education maven Paul Vallis. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us, Paul. We appreciate it. Thank you. So where do you see I'm torn, you know, as a conservative, as a first principles conservative, I'm against public sector unions. So I I want the city to boss around the teachers and 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 the uh, and the police. On the other hand, you know, I love the cops and and I like, you know, the FOP president standing up to Lori Lightfoot, who seems to be doing quite a bit of grandstanding. Yes. No, I agree 100 percent. I mean, there, there clearly is a Bruce, there clearly is a double standard to, to the way she's treated the police department and the police union and the way she's treated the uh, Chicago Teachers Union. As you recall, the that union threatened to strike illegally, I might add, three times and literally shut the school system down for an entire year. Of course, uh, they've been welcomed back with open arms. The, the teachers are getting preferential treatment when it comes to the vaccinations. I think they've uh, postponed uh, any uh, sort of punitive action until the end of the year. Uh, they're testing at every school. Uh, they're, they've set up these vaccination sites. 
they're allowing teachers and support staff to test and to vaccinate uh, on school time and at school expense. And when it comes to the cops, it's completely the opposite. So at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the unions um, have their, pur- their, their purpose and it, there's, it's certainly evidence of that in the way the, uh, the mayor's uh, treating the rank and file police officers. And I just, just to show that I still read, uh, I, uh, John Cass had an item, uh, a column yesterday. He's now off on his own and it was, mm-hmm. it was a real good one as usual. Uh, and he quoted you and it was all about uh, the rhetoric that mayor Lightfoot is using, calling what the police are doing as an insurrection. And I think, you know, she's kind of like uh, trivializing the term insurrection. I mean, if that's an insurrection, then what, what happened at the Capitol? A Holocaust? Uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, we're, we're throwing around these words uh, rather easily. Uh, yeah, how do you uh, view that? Well, look, uh, clearly she's picking up from the national rhetoric. She's using that national language. You know, she's referred to the police officers as being disloyal, you know, disobedient, and as the uh, uh, police uh, vaccine protest as an insurrection. Well, if that's an insurrection, what was shutting down the, the school system, not just <laughs> last year, but for, I think, 12 consecutive months, school campuses were closed. And let me tell you, the consequences have been traumatic, you know, um, just in terms of violence. Uh, there's been 20 times the number of kids. I'm talking about school age children who have been murdered in the city of Chicago than have died of COVID. Uh, I, I believe it's 116 um, uh, homicides, six COVID deaths, all with pre-existing conditions. And of course, just the crime committed by out-of-school youth, 49% of the carjacking arrests, 17 years and younger, 9% of the shootings, 17 years and younger, 8% of the murder arrests, eight, uh, 17 years and younger. So it's had a devastating consequence. You know, I, I did an op-ed piece saying, yes, COVID is killing children, not, not the virus itself, but the shutting down of schools, and the way we've literally thrown these kids to the street. So it's just this this rhetoric, the more appropriate rhetoric about disloyalty and disobedience and insurrection would have been much more appropriate for the Chicago Teachers Union than the rank and file cops. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it seems like, I mean, the police have a union, the teachers have a union. I think the children should be organized uh, and then should be able to fight uh, City Hall because they're the ones who have the masks put on them. There have been under 500 children nationwide. 700,000 Americans have died of COVID. Only 500 children. Now, nobody wants any child to lose his or her life. But, I mean, let's get real about this. And you have to mask them all the time. And uh, there's all these draconian measures taken. And they really don't have any rights. And as you say, look at all the consequences in terms of crime. And especially, it always hits the low-income areas the worst. Well, that's always, because always. that's because the kids are organized. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's the wrong kind of organization. Well, let me point out, you know, let me point out that so much of the damage from COVID has been self-inflicted. And look, I've had the vaccine. My, I come from a family of first responders in our household, cops, teachers. Uh, my my one son is a police officer turned firefighter. He's had COVID. Um, my other son had COVID. Uh, me and my wife both. And we're all vaccinated. You know, we believe in vaccination. Although my, my son isn't vaccinated yet. I think he's going to have to be forced to be vaccinated. You know, so he's he's slugging it out. But he's um, had COVID, right? <laughs> Is that the son that me? had COVID? Yeah, they've had COVID. So That's so why would he, why would he need a vaccination? He's, he's got the antibodies. I survived Afghanistan. I survived COVID. I, you know, why should I vaccine? Yeah. Uh, why should I vaccinate? And there's a lot of attitudes like that. But, but the bottom line here is, is it's had minimal impact on children. And I'll tell you, no one has really done an analysis of what impact mandatory masking has have on, on basically a, a child's development, the interaction with the teachers, the, the facial gestures and things like that, or for that matter, the respiratory problems that are emerging from children, particularly young children, particularly children who aren't replacing their masks, from constantly ingesting, you know what I mean, the vomitus yeah. and and. The, well, I like when you throw the Latin, uh, the vomitus. The uh, here's L- Lori Lightfoot, and we were just talking about this. She's at the Chicago Sky Championship game, and everybody around her is masked. She takes off her mask. It's like, yeah. it, and it's like when she got the haircut when everybody else wasn't supposed to get one. I mean, it's good to be the king. I mean, the, what does she think she is, the governor of California? I, I, I don't... I, I think uh, you just misgendered her, actually. 
I, well, maybe that's what I choose. That's the pronoun I choose for her. But yeah, what? Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the hypocrisy. Well, I understand it's hypocrisy. That's what it comes down. Well, to. Well, you know the problem. You know the problem here with the police is, uh, let's face it, the, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough couple of years for police, and and the um, and and through the com- it's getting harder and harder to be a cop. Uh, not only because the police department has been degraded. I think there are twelve hundred fewer officers now than they had when she was in, in when she came to office before she came to office of course like 300 fewer detectives so they've really degraded the police department plus uh superintendent brown who whose strategy is an absolute disaster his strategy is to pull a thousand cops from the districts uh, the 10 most violent districts in chicago have between 7500 25 fewer cops because he's pulled them all and he's got them in this like super citywide unit kind of shock and awe unit that the is supposed to be dispatched to every hot spots it's totally ineffective meanwhile you have half the beats in some of those violent communities in the city most violent districts in the city half the beats are covered half the squad cars can't patrol because they don't have enough officers so they've totally first of all they've totally degraded the department they have no program for protecting witnesses so the police department can't get so the rank and file police officers can't get really any cooperation from the witnesses and then of course you have fox who has this revolving door who basically continues to release dangerous felons to the street and it's overwhelming so now on top of all that you've got this lori lightfoot assaulting the the police where she's bringing them in and she's threatening to fire them or to discipline them if they don't report their vaccine status and it's really it's really driving the police into retirement because right now they're going to lose a thousand cops this year to retirements. They're only going to replace about 300 of them. Plus, there's 3,000 cops that are eligible to retire right now. They are not going to stick around. You know, your numbers are too dazzling. Remember, I'm a little slow on the uptake right here. But I will say this. Let me put it into a picture for you. Uh, I believe yesterday was the anniversary of the Laquan McDonald shooting, and it happened to coincide with Rahm Emanuel's uh, testimony. Uh, He wants to become the ambassador to Japan. And, of course, your joke about that, uh, Tim, is what? Come on, I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. One, two, three. <laughs> you, you ever remember your own joke? I do. Paul, don't listen to this. Don't, don't listen to this. This will wreck you if you ever I, want to become it's a candidate. It's, yeah. it's about his height, Tim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, that the nicest thing about Lori Lightfoot was they didn't have to get a new podium. No, no, no. This is about Rahm Emanuel oh. be- becoming the, the tallest ambassador guy in to Japan. Japan. Oh, oh, That's why oh, I wanted to become oh, the Japan. because he'd be the tallest person we'll, in Japan. We'll, we'll correct it when we... When, you can't expect me to remember all my jokes. When we edit it, no, only the ones you steal from Chappelle. No, when we edit this, Paul Vallis will not be part of this because I wanted to become mayor of the city of Chicago. But it reminded me of when he, when uh, Rahm said the police were in a fetal position. And now you throw out all these statistics and it seems like, that was post-Laquan, it seems like it's just as bad or worse. Yeah, it, it is worse. Uh, well, well, Rahm made things terribly worse. I remember they gutted the detectives division from 1200 to like 800 i mean you can't solve detectives when you have maybe when your detectives division is one sixth the size of new york that's on a per capita basis i might add (laughs) i I think they would they'd actually would have if you're not you know it's like there's two problems with the police they don't have the resources and the support to make arrests and of course you can't prosecute what you can't arrest and then uh fox seems incapable of distinguishing between like dangerous felons and actually nonviolent offenders when it comes to prosecuting or the early release program. So now the cops have the added burden of these like uh, these these uh, people with long felony records returning to the very communities where they're trying. And, the, and just, you know what? It's it's all the liberal elite that don't want you know, that want this, you know, defund the police. You actually talk to the pol- people in the neighborhoods and they overwhelmingly want more police. So it's just this, you know, fanciful idea that everybody has. Yeah. We'll talk with you, Paul Vallis, a little bit more after this little break here on the weekly wrap. Given the CDC's strong recommendation, I had hoped that a state mask requirement in schools wouldn't be necessary, but it is. 
The Delta variant is highly transmissible, more so than any other previous forms of this virus. Because of the lower rates of vaccination among teens aged 20 to 7, sorry, 12 to 17, because the vaccine has not yet been approved for children under 12, because the vaccine uh, because there are many people who are reluctant across some of the districts to adopt the CDC's guidance, effective immediately, all P-12 schools and daycares in Illinois must follow the CDC guidance of universal masking inside. Somebody give him a paper bag. I think it was hyperventilated. <laughs> Bruce Wolf and Tim Slagle on the... Weekly wrap, uh, joined by Paul Vallis, uh, candidate for uh, mayor once, twice, maybe a future time. And he's got to we're going to I hope we're going to get to it. Your pathway out of the police problem. But I did want to you know, address this because we had the wonderful soundbite uh, from the from the governor. Uh, he lost me when he said CDC, because all I remember is the CDC lying and saying we didn't need masks when they actually thought we did need, need masks. But they wanted to hoard the masks for for the uh, frontline workers. But your view on uh, the governor's uh, dictum. Well, uh, you know, let me point out that um, let me give you one example. You know, I I don't know what what word science the governor's been following, but <laughs> when, they, when they, their school mask mandate, uh, the CDC had actually come out with a report, and that report basically uh, uh, said that it determined that it, it would there it was inconclusive as to whether or not masks or other mitigations had any impact on schools. In fact, it basically said the mitigations like masks only seemed to benefit teachers who had not been vaccinated. But of course they suppressed that study and they suppressed those results. And even though the World Health Organization, the infamous World Health Organization, also basically was not recommending the masking of children, uh, he went out and he still imposed his uh, uh, you know, universal mask mandate. He also did it, Bruce, and this is the way they manipulate the data. He made the argument that I'm doing this because there's been a dramatic increase in the percentage of new infections that are among children. Uh, but yet he didn't tell you that the reason that the percentage had increased was because over the, the they were comparing it with like January to July when, when the Delta hit. But what they didn't tell you was that the, the actual number of infections among children had actually uh, been more, were actually 50% of what they were prior to Delta. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and so so perhaps the percentage increase was because you know, everybody, the adults were getting vaccinated and none, uh, and none of the kids were. The point that I'm trying to make is, is they haven't, they simply haven't been honest and transparent with the data. And that's just created a lot of misinformation and a lot of cynicism. And a lot of the resistance that you're getting is simply because you can't trust you can't trust what they say. All, they, all I know is, is that uh, Florida's numbers are going down after the hysteria of Paul Krugman, Nobel uh, you know, Prize winner. Yeah, for <laughs> economics, not for that. Not a very right. good columnist. Right. And uh, the numbers in the north are going up. All right, let's 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 switch uh, gears right here for a second. Uh, yeah, there is this uh, across the country. Uh, I read this uh, school and I experienced that school districts are removing advanced programs and even standardized testing to achieve an artificial appearance of equity. Uh, Actually, Mm -hmm. this person said it promises a kind of equity through mediocrity that all families should reject. I mean, it's the old socialist uh, axiom. uh, uh, We don't want all uh, all boats to rise. We just don't want them all to be equally low. Uh, And, uh, and, you know, that's, do you favor excellence in the gifted programs in schools? You're, you're an educator in the past. The Wizard of Oz couldn't give the scarecrow uh, brains, so he gave him a degree instead. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Well, what they're do- well, what they're doing is is clearly they're drifting away from accountability. They're restoring social promotion. Uh, how many states have postponed um, returning back to the nationally normed standardized tests? I mean, they don't want to show you how traumatic the the uh the covid mitigations have been uh with the schools closed or or the yeah. the, the done in partial remote uh, you know I, I think that end combination is drive to to kind of equalize equalize everything by lowering the bar not making the investments needed to raise the bar you know when i was in the chicago public schools uh they were like uh i th- the, the children were underrepresented in the international baccalaureate program so instead of getting rid of that program because they were underrepresented, I decided to increase the program tenfold and put those programs in the poor schools and provide the support services yeah. to get those kids to a higher level. 
uh, 10 years later, uh, there are 20 times the number of kids in IB programs, and the racial breakdown was perfectly balanced. It was like 36 percent um, hmm. white, 34 percent black, 30 percent Latino. I mean, the bottom line is is a rising tide lifts all boats, but they seem to be moving in the opposite direction. It's almost, Bruce, as if they've given up. It, they've given up. It's almost as if they said, we can't close the achievement gap. We can't help these children achieve. Uh, so so let's just say it's equal. There. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I've always thought that they should issue a recall uh, on, on high school students. Like, uh, I remember when I uh, I was forced to read Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver in, like, 1970. And then later he recanted it all. And I was thinking, shouldn't I be recalled to Niles <laughs> East High School and and read what he has to say about it now? But now if we're, if we're talking about equity, I want to go back to high school and I want to be the high, the quarterback of the football team because uh, I, it, everything is, is equal now. And it's it's uh, yeah. But unfortunately, the cheerleader is also going to have equity. So it's yeah, not going to. Yeah. The perks aren't going to be the same if as you they were. You want to be a football hero, <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah, it, well, Bruce, it's, it's lunacy. A, Bruce, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day. It was by this prominent professor, research professor, and he was talking about how now these uh, these individuals who are, who are pursuing these research grants and things like that, there's a whole, like, equity questionnaire you have to fill out. Yeah. You're, you're getting these awarded to you not based on your, your capacity to do scientific research, but a heavy weighting is given to your to your being able to to talk to talk when it comes to like what have you done to advance equity what have you done to uh, uh, pursue social justice and it's a good read in the wall street journal of course it's the wall street journal and and, and you know obviously they have some very strong opinions on the subject but it's really getting dangerous because guaranteed our international competitors are not yeah, right. Not that, doing this. Look, Black Paul, they're telling me in my earpiece that Conrad Birdie wants to come out and sing One Last Kiss, but I say the hell with it. <laughs> the hell with it. We, I want to hear your pathway for the police, oh. your way out of this problem. The next mayor to city of Chicago, Chewy Garcia, no, yeah. Paul Vallis. Let's yeah, well, let me tell you very quickly, two things. I want to tell you what to do with the police and how to support the police. The first thing what they have to do with the police is Number one, they've got to fill the vacancies. Number two, they got to broaden their recruitment. So they're also trying to poach from other districts, and they're also working with retired military personnel. They're expanding the pool of potential police candidates. The third thing they have to do is they have to do what other cities have done, what Giuliani did back in the 80s, before or 90s, or before he lost his mind. You <laughs> mean the broken windows policy? Go back to broken windows, James Q. Wilson? Yeah, yeah. no, right. what? What they did was they hired uh -huh. 500 detectives, oh, okay. uh -huh. retired detectives, and they basically put these detectives on working murder cases. You know, the 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 city could easily do that. The, the fourth thing they need to do is they need to break up these citywide units and they need to push all all the rank and file police officers back down into the districts to do the local beats. The fifth thing they have to do is they have to have a comprehensive witness protection and victims protection program. And that doesn't mean that like uh what's his name henry hill like in goodfellas to the Phoenix. <laughs> a lot of times protecting these people is just monitoring them cue layla just, right now i want to hear a helicopter sound and layla go ahead that's right yeah. it's it's just relocating them uh right. within the city itself and you can fund you could uh, fund a uh, a witness protection program through assets asset forfeitures or by passing a nuisance ordinance which fines people when they violate the public way, like one day, like mug All right. people. Or All right, you know, enough with the canned answers. This is uh, the debate, the first mayoral debate, and you're going to get the surprise question. Okay, so here it is. Just was reading this today. Got a public bathroom problem in the city of Chicago. 2.7 million people, only 500 freely accessible uh, public bathrooms. Uh, don't ask me to do the math, but I think that's like 5,000 people in a stall. So, uh, oh, what, so that's a long line. It is a really long line, especially <laughs> if you have bashful kidneys. So tell me, uh, like halftime. What the <laughs> bear game? What What do you do about the public bath? You know, I, Rudy I, Giuliani had the broken windows <laughs> policy. You got to fix the broken windows. I think you got to start with the turlets. Rudy Rudy would have an answer for that now, especially <laughs> now. Especially now, he'd have an, an answer. Right. <laughs> but let me tell you one thing that you could do almost immediately. You know, I talked to you about all these kids on the street. Just follow me for a second, because they're always saying, well, it's just not all, you know, it's not, you can't arrest yourself out of the problem. <laughs> First of all, you can't arrest yourself out of the problem, but if you're not making any arrests, 
uh, and if you're not prosecuting and if you're not sending people violent criminals to prison, you're you're not going to you're not going to solve the problem. But but let me tell you what the schools would do if I were superintendent. I would get all the city agencies, all the benefactors of the economic development grants that are awarded, all the community based organizations, and I would have them all come together to create work study opportunities for all these high school kids. So so what the high school kids like the Crystal Ray high school model, they would go to high school, uh, uh, you know, they would they would take their core courses and then they would be in work study. Then they'd be off the street engaged. They'd have these part time jobs like like the work study jobs that exists within the Crystal Ray schools, and they would be off the street. The school district could do that just by cannibalizing these irrelevant courses and these electives that the kids take. And you could have literally every city agency offering work study opportunities, not to mention uh, private businesses who could get subsidies. So something like that would take tens of thousands of kids off the street, out of the clutches of the gangs, and it would put them in the best, most secure, uh, uh, most effective mentoring environment being surrounded by working men and women okay so i think just, I, I have to interrupt you because i think one person moved in front of me in the line for the bathroom and so i just have to move up <laughs> okay. paul valis thank you so much viva la insurrection uh, for of the police department thank you thank you so much you're an insurrectionist thank you paul valis appreciate it very All nice right. of him to join Bye-bye. us here thanks for weekly wrap and coming up we what where are we in this show We've got uh, the last segment. We're to talk. We got to talk about Eric Ferguson. It's de rigueur to talk about Eric Ferguson, and uh, we'll get to. He's still got a job. Unbelievable. Yeah. It is. I'm showing the books. Why do I need a drink? Like, you need a drink. Oh my God, it's Batman. Is that Eric Ferguson himself who <laughs> needs a drink? That's not recently, right? That's, uh, oh, who, who knows? Huh? Who knows what? But Eric Ferguson, of course, needs uh, a drink and an attorney. He, I understand. He's got one. He's got one. And he is the, uh, you know, the uh, most successful uh, radio personality in Chicago history. He's already in the Hall of Fame. Wow. I love people who are still on the air and still working <laughs> and still in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is where you're supposed to go to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah but, like, but, like postage but, stamps and currency. Yeah, and he, but he's still around. Uh, there was a, a Robert Feeder, the media columnist, uh, had a, a, a lead paragraph that went like this. I'd like you to parse it for me. In the first sentence, he said, The radio station has shown no signs of wavering in support of Eric Ferguson. In the second sentence, he says, that the station is keeping Ferguson off the air at least through October. Isn't that a sign <laughs> <laughs> that they're wavering? I think I think that's a sign. So uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned. I what's the over under? I think he's gone by Thanksgiving. Really? Right? Don't yeah, you? I, I think I think he's back. As I said, at least through October, he's probably back November. You think he's back? Yeah, I think women forgive him. I think it's like uh, yeah, you're it's like, right. it's like Bill right. Clinton. You know? Yeah, right. It's, it's, I did not have sepsis with that woman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, he was released from the yeah. hospital. Wasn't yeah, he? they didn't want to say yeah. it was a UTI. Yeah, they, they didn't want to say that it was a, <laughs> right. a penile disorder. <laughs> Let's circle back. Speaking of the only politically correct uh, sports uh, team in town, and that is the Chicago Sky. <laughs> and uh, I does anybody even watch soccer? Exactly, exactly. I think it's soccer with their hands, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so speaking of that, it's funny that you should mention that. So the Sky winning the championship reminds me of the time, uh, only time I was ever criticized by the uh, late great Seth Mason, my boss at WXRT. I did a sh- thing called Athletes' Feats uh-huh. at the time. So I, I did it so long ago that Bob Verdi of the Tribune did it after me for 20 years, and I think he's been gone for 20 years. So that's how long ago I did it. Anyway, the Sting had just won the championship, and I went on athlete seats and said, last night the Chicago Sting won the soccer championship in front of 45,000 fans, none of whom I know. Uh, that got me a call from Seth. Uh, and how, I, how was I supposed to know that after he made his millions from the sale of WXRT, although I think he made it technically from an Oklahoma City station, that he'd become a soccer coach? That's what he did with the rest of his life. He became a soccer So I did. Well, I walked right into that one. But I'm, I'm listening to the Bears post game 
on Sunday after uh, you know they lost to Aaron Rodgers, and the score is the sports station in Chicago, so they would know all about all the sports. And Mike Mulligan is does the post game show, and he's also the daily uh, morning drive host, so he is probably the most popular sports radio show host in Chicago. And while he's talking on that uh, show, um, he uh, he's talking to a caller, and the caller's kid is yelling to his dad about the Sky Game, which was on at the time in the background. And Mulligan wasn't all that certain whether this was the championship clinching game. Now he's the he's he did, now either that or he didn't want people to ch- change the channel or something like that. But I it, it sounded like he didn't know that he didn't know, and and that's the that's how ignorant that and, and how sure. sexist and horrible and hatred and misanthropic and mis, mis- misogynistic uh, we are. I'm sure they covered it on WCPT though. I, I would hope so. I would. I, mean, I hope they, their games are, are on that station next year. Anyway, all right, let's go back here to the story that everybody wants to hear about, and oh, that yeah. is the story of the man who stuck 15 eggs up his keister. <laughs> now, uh, it happened in Europe, I guess. Yeah, and the reason has to be your Germany, I'm guessing. <laughs> and I'm assuming it was a Daily Mail story, because uh, anyway, I, assuming that it's true, and even if it isn't, hey, it's a podcast, so let's assume that it's true. <laughs> But I was thinking, I know we have our supply uh, chain problems here, but isn't that a draconian method to hoard uh, goods? You're taking this pretty light. You know, for all you know, the man identifies as a chicken. It could be. My bro- you, know, you know the old story. Uh, my sister thinks she's a chicken, uh, and uh, why don't you disabuse her of the notion, we need the eggs. Remember that one? It's a line that Woody Allen uses at the end of uh, Annie Hall. So, um, all right, let's talk about Mayor Pete. Right now, he takes two months off uh, for, with his kid, for his kid. And you were that's noting... A, that's a real uncomfortable segue, by the way. Uh, you 15 know what? eggs up the keister to Mayor Pete. You know what? I'm fidgeting in my chair right now, and it's because of you that you had to draw attention to it. I, why did you just let it go? You know, some things, you know... The, I need the eggs. You read between the lines. You, you read the, between the lines of the Torah. You don't have to be hit over the head with it. Anyway, so... You know, and he was criticized for taking two months off work while we're having these supply chain problems. I mean, that's what the Department of well, Transportation is all about. In, in his defense, all right, in his yeah, defense, sure. okay. he just gave birth to twins. How can he ride a bicycle to work? There, there we go. There we go. Yeah. And, and, and there was that picture of him and his husband uh, in a hospital, in, bed. In a hospital <laughs> bed where I guess maybe they, I, I don't know. I mean, why would they be in a hospital bed? They hadn't actually delivered. But maybe well, it was to keep the babies comfortable because that's what they were familiar. Oh yeah, with. yeah. No, you know, you know, they just ripped those babies out of that poor girl's. <laughs> Get <laughs> out of here! Are, took over. Bring the clean lights we in. Gotta... <laughs> we got to take the pictures right now. This is a photo op. Now, he was criticized for, um, for you know, taking two months off. And I was thinking, I think I'm pretty sure Lou Costello went back to work with Bud Abbott the day after his child died, or was it Abbott who was back to work? Who was back to work? Oh, who was at first base? <laughs> Anyway, you know, when you do the who's on first routine yourself, oh, oh yourself, man. man. Oh, <laughs> no, man. But it's true that one of them took time off. And, and it didn't take any time off. That was the old days. But now you notice football players, they're on pregnancy leave. It's a 16-game season. Yeah. Can you make the one day a week? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, can you time it? I mean, uh, have the C-section in the 11th month. See, I hate to sound... Yeah, Boy, my, my, Woody my, Hayes never would have allowed that. My mom, my mom noticed that that football's gotten really. She said, she said, oh, you you look at them, they get hit now, and they roll on the ground holding their leg like a soccer player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I actually I think him taking two months off was maybe it was reparation for reparations for all the would be gay dads or weren't allowed to be gay dads for generations. <laughs> but maybe he should share the secretary. Uh, the secretary should share the bounty with everybody else and take like two weeks off not two months off uh and i just it was it was it was a little much you know he had to know he had to know this was happening he hired a surrogate yeah who who, you know they probably said you know your your money's on the table on your way out you know (laughs) 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 he hired a surrogate so so he knew uh back in january most likely I, that uh, that the, the, this was that this was going to happen. So he was he was he was planning to take this time off while his surrogate was being inseminated. 
Yeah, I I just I mean you you you're uh how many terms is he planning in? I mean, you go back to South Bend and take yeah. your time off. I, I don't understand. Yeah, no, that. no. It's like, oh, good. We got the job. Now we can get pregnant. It's because we're going to get we're going to get time off. We just got a We yeah, just right. got a sweet federal yeah, gig. Yeah. Federal. <laughs> federal largesse. It's, it's like it's, there's a supply chain backup. Oh, I need my time yeah, off. The beneficiaries of federal largesse are the federal employees, yeah. uh, most of all. So uh, there's a story which uh, should have been headlined, The Art Institute Blows. And the reason is that <laughs> apparently they had this docent program. And there was these, you know, middle-aged, rich, white women who would be the docents of the Art Institute, and they actually had to study and for like a year and a half and, and be well-versed in art, and they'd give the tours uh-huh. of the Art Institute, and, you know, they'd say, you know, see, that's Grant Wood, and, you know, and the American Gothic, and there's Nighthawks, and, and there's the Seurat painting, and then the rest of it you can close your eyes and fall asleep <laughs> to and wait till you get to visit the Mona Lisa yeah, at the Louvre. More, more naked but, saints and angels yeah, here. Yeah, right, right. So, but they, they were, and the Art Institute has killed, they just killed that program. They just ended it, and the reason is because it wasn't ethnically diverse. And so they just ended it. I mean, they couldn't have, like, slowly... <laughs> You know, through attrition, the, uh, uh, gotten rid of these, so, these, so, these so people, they're, and they're, these are people who are donors. They're, they're, as well. they're saying they're, they're saying minorities don't. Did, are minorities so well versed in art that they don't need it? Uh, is that I, what I think is actually going to happen? It sounded to me. I was trying to read between the lines on this. Uh, that they really won't be replaced by any by a bunch of minorities because it would be impossible to train them that that quickly, and, and to be docents. So what they would. What they're probably going to do, I would think, is going to have some kind of hologram of uh, <laughs> of, of some of, of a minority who's got a canned speech to give you know, throughout throughout your tour of the Art Institute to appeal to the ethnically diverse audience. But it just seemed like a a really awful way, and that's why when I saw the lions of the Art Institute draped in the Chicago sky jersey, I I, I just wept. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I wasn't that thrilled with it. So I mean, it's just bothersome. And these women actually studied. They knew their stuff, and they wanted to transmit, uh, you know, the, the knowledge. Well, we know that everybody. lions aren't good at football. So oh yeah, <laughs> yeah we absolutely do know that. And you say you're not a sports fan. I just right. know the punchlines, man. Yeah, right. Anything that has the lions <laughs> That's in all it, I it's know. fine. All right, we got uh, what our bonus segment coming up right here. As if we haven't given you enough. I think we're going back to here, here, uh, today. Wolf's World. Is, is, that, is that what we're doing? That's a great, great tease. And Tim's Town, uh, apparently. So uh, hope you enjoy the show. Do come back, y'all. You hear? Uh, I hope we're sponsored by a cigarette company. In the, uh, like Winston tastes good in the, uh, the bonus segment. That'll all be coming up on the weekly wrap. Bruce Wolf and Tim Slagle on the weekly wrap, and it's the bonus segment, Tim. Oh, and this my is my favorite. What, it's what the fans' call, favorite. Well, well, Chris, uh, our producer, calls this Wolf's World and Tim's Town. And if I may, before we get into it, because alliterations are us. You see, Wolf's World and <laughs> Tim's Town. I have an alliteration story for you, I, right? So I'm working at uh, Channel 5 and the morning show at the time. And this is around the, uh, remember the Virginia Tech massacre? And this is when the guy was using social media and the... The networks were all using an alliteration. They were going like uh, multimedia massacre, they were calling it, which I thought was just like <laughs> in such poor taste because students were dying. Oh, we've got this alliteration. You're going to love it. <laughs> so, I, um, so I asked, I made a joke to the producer in the morning. Why don't you give, and it's the late Dick Johnson, who's a wonderful guy, a newscaster, uh, but he was kind of a staid guy he, he, he looked a little like you only without a twinkle in his eye and uh, but you know with the distinction you lose your sense of humor when you go through grade school with the name <laughs> dick johnson exactly I think. <laughs> I, he, he was he was he, he was a little redundant but um so i suggested that why don't you give him a, a tease that the news is going to be coming up and and i wrote something along the lines of multimedia monomaniacal massacre mayhem some kind of tongue twister <laughs> with that and the producer actually gave it to him to read and dick actually would fumble around every once in a while and i'm seeing him read this and i'm thinking and he actually he pulled it off 
He actually, and, and so, it, it, <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself, I'm cringing because this guy's going to fall all over himself. That's the wee willy winky episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, you is remember, that what happened? You remember that her and Rhoda get like a, get like a little tipsy? And they're, oh, okay. they're writing the, the pre-obituaries for people that die. <laughs> so they get down to Wee Willie Winky. It's the last one in the box. And uh, they make this, you know, uh, uh, hobbies included <laughs> breathing <laughs> and getting up in the morning. And they did this. And uh, uh, he died before she could. And it was uh, Ted read it on the air. Oh, my yeah, goodness. That's oh, Ted. <laughs> so it's kind of, right. that's kind of that's kind of a real life story. Uh, of really? That. Really? So anyway, the, the maniacal Johnson, multimedia maniac murder. Yeah. And he, he, he pulled it off with a plum. Yeah. All right. So what is this segment about? <laughs> Uh, this is where we delve deep into the social media of Bruce and Tim. The multimedia. Uh, yep. There and, we go. Uh, we, it's our own multimedia massacre. <laughs> we, we pull out posts or tweets, tweets where we have a question or we might think there's a, some humor in them. Mm-hmm. We can go a little deeper and ask, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> along those lines sure. is, is what these are. Sure. So we start with Bruce. Mm-hmm. Wolf's World. Okay. You uh, retweet the New York Post, which uh, is a tweet of them saying the Walgreens closes five more San Francisco locations, citing organized retail crime. You retweet this at Danny Parkins of The Score. Okay. Uh, can can Danny Parkins of The Score do a radiothon to thwart the blue chew desert that Inglewood may become someday? <laughs> yes, because you see, they advertise for blue chew. Uh-huh. Which, do you know what that is? Uh, that's the, is, the, the, is that the mint uh, uh, chewing tobacco? No, no, that's oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. It's the it's the Viagra gummies. Right, right. Yeah. And it's actually funny because I love that this Danny Parkins, who's in his 30s, is actually in, in pimping sure. or whatever sure. for Blue Chew. I mean, he must be very confident that he can do that. <laughs> so uh, or can't do that is the but and he maybe. also he he, he also did a, a radiothon for food deserts. Uh, 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 on the score because, you know, it was the virtue. Hey, he actually believed he was helping people out. Sure. Little did he realize there's been a University of Chicago study, the Booth uh, School study, which shows that people who live in food deserts don't want to eat good food, healthy food. <laughs> They'll travel seven <laughs> miles to get junk. And it stands to reason because poor people, I mean, they, the junk food is what yeah. keeps them going and cigarettes and everything. It's only the rich people, the, the people who want to be gonna, beneficent. The uh, whole food shopper. Yeah, right. That can be skinny and, and afford to eat healthy. But anyway, so that's a lengthy explanation. Why did I have a question? Is that all oh. based on your jealousy of Danny Parkins' success? radio show and success yes, when he's partner. not all that sure. talented? He's t- I think yeah. he's talented. Oh. I think he actually is talented, and I think he's pretty good. Uh, I can't stand the virtue signaling, and uh, I hate that station. What could I say? It's a woke <laughs> guy with ADD. All right, so we go to Tim's town. Huh? And t- and Tim, pardon me if I, if we, or maybe we talked about this one. Uh, again, this is a volume thing for Bruce versus a uh, quality thing for Tim. He, he must do a lot of editing because there are not a lot of posts uh, from Tim to mm-hmm. go through. Uh, this is a post from September 2nd. Congress should pass a law that grants any American who can get U.S. military equipment out of Afghanistan the right to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes total sense. I mean, we had the, we had the, uh, the privateering act. That that, yeah. that allowed people, you know, just if you can take out British ships, you can keep them, and we're not going to prosecute you. Right. Uh, I mean, you're I doing mean, a service for the country, exactly, and uh, you're keeping you th- it out of the enemy's hands. You think and- you're going to be able to get a do- like a dozen uh, uh, ex SEAL team guys going? You mean if we get an F-15, we can keep it? <laughs> 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 and the machine guns and the tanks. Let's oh man, let's go. I, I think it's a great idea. I, I, that was not a joke. That was dead serious. No, I, I still I agree. think it's a good idea. It's not a bad idea. Uh, Bruce, we move on to you. The volume you comic. Can... <laughs> yeah, uh... <laughs> comic, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I kid. So this was uh, from it's a couple of days ago. Hurts. Bruce, uh, yeah. you're retweeting Mary Dixon. Game three in Chicago tonight with excitement, and then you retweet. Tell me what time the score is breaking this all down so I can listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Mary Dixon is, uh, and I know Mary. She used to be Lynn Bramer's newscastress. Uh, uh, and now she went over to NPR where you know she reads some things. But Very, uh, very calm life. I, I lo- love Mary. And I actually subbed for her once many, many years ago uh, w- uh, because L- Lynn and I were golf buddies. Were. But... Um, 
Yeah, because the score is, uh, they're the woke sports station, and I know that Dan Bernstein, smartest guy in Chicago radio, this side of Milt Rosenberg, who is dead, but uh, he, the, he, he even wrote articles saying how much he hated women's basketball. Now he's got a female partner, and, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he's got a, 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 I actually heard a spasm of enthusiasm from him when I accidentally turned on the score uh, a few days ago about the sky but um he's got to be torn because he's been uh, defenestrated uh, there's no question <laughs> about it so i i mean, I, I mean you know that's uh, guys actually that you know I, I think men actually enjoy women's sports more than women enjoy women's yeah, sports. Yeah, I don't think women maybe. want to watch women's sports. I, I, Not much. I mean, you know, maybe ice skating every four years. And I think the only women's sports that men enjoy is beach volleyball. Yes, it is a good sport. <laughs> There's no question about it. It's sport. Yeah, yeah. I used to enjoy, um, was it Gabby Sabatini? Was that who it was? Uh, she would grunt a lot when she would hit the tennis ball. Oh, yeah. And Monica Sellis, which, by the way, is an anagram for camel noises. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, she would make some noise, too. So there you go. little grunting. Yeah. <laughs> How many sportscasters do you know that used to do anagrams I for tennis champions? Never. Never. <laughs> never was able to do one for Martina Navratilova, though. Never was you got able a lot to, to work with there. I, I yeah. was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Back to Tim's town. This is from August 25th, so you have to remember what was in the news, but uh, you'll quickly remember. Uh, reports now claim the earaches and migraines Kamala Harris's staffers were complaining about were actually caused by Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, is this where we, we, uh, where we ask if this is Babylon B or the truth? No, oh, okay. yeah. no that, that, that actually, the, the, the interesting thing, that was they said that they were using those sonic things that, uh, okay. that gives people headaches that was, that was in, in, in Cuba. Right, and uh, uh, I was in Havana a couple a couple years ago for Christmas, and uh, we were at the National Hotel watching the uh, stage show there, and they the said, donkeys? Uh, uh, no, they oh, don't do okay. that. No. Oh, that's a movie. I oh, saw. yeah, no, yeah. no. Now, now you now you get to see the the, the history of Cuba done uh-huh. as a uh, as like a Ricky Ricardo review, <laughs> and it starts with the colonists, okay. and then goes through slavery, then to the gangsters, and they have like a little West Side Story thing, and then and then. Anyway, so so somebody actually got sick that was on the bus from the cruise ship with us, and uh, uh, they said somebody threw up over there. <laughs> and I said, well, maybe he probably got one of those sonic things, huh? Oh, <laughs> and okay. the whole room went, oh. <laughs> go, please, sir, if you ever say that again, you'll have to leave. <laughs> well, that's right. You're still communist here, aren't you? I forgot about that. There you go. <laughs> hmm. So back to Wolf's World. At You're tweeting at Michael... Uh, Michael Damsky. Oh, yeah. My uh, former boss at uh, WLS. You finished your Sunday puzzle in 35 minutes and 45 seconds. Yes, yes. Uh, I well, we, he and I challenge each other on the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday New York Times crossword oh. puzzles. So the, the Three hours? <laughs> three hours you spent doing this? No. <laughs> 35 minutes. 35 minutes. Oh, 35 minutes. Okay. Not, not bad. Uh, so the, the, the joke is here. If you ever go through Bruce's Twitter feed, these, these auto posts, I don't think Bruce even knows what is tons of him doing puzzles and them <laughs> posting the finals of the puzzles. So there's That's always these, these puzzles. So uh, everyone yeah. knows your business with your puzzles. That's books. wonderful. Thank God it's just the puzzles, huh? Yeah, that, that's all. I know. That's how I spend my downtime. Bruce, what are you doing in there? A puzzle. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, the last one for Tim. Um, someone posted. I don't know where someone posted. Um, to Tim's timeline that it's that time of the year again. Now, Bruce, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Tim is kind of famous for a, a, a bit that comes up every Halloween. One bit. One bit. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of views, though, on, on YouTube. Let's, play, let's, let's call a spade a spade. It's, there's, it's, it's got much traction. So I wanted to play the bit. We're going to end tonight with this bit. Okay. And it's a, a quite famous bit that, that, that Tim has done explaining. Uh, let, let's just play the bit. We've got to teach the next generation about taxes. Folks, if you have kids, teach them. And the best time you can do this is on Halloween. See, because they're going to put in about eight full hours of power trick-or-treat. They're going to be bringing home a nice big bag of what should be take-home candy. 
just greet your little tyke at the door. Just, hey, that's a nice big bag of candy you got there, Tony Stark. <laughs> but first of all, now see, just because you made this much, we have to take away this much income tax. Then, to ensure you'll have candy in your old age, pay the social security tax. crying. You're going to see it in 50, 60 years. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll just put that right up here, won't touch it till then. I got a level with you, man. Grandpa's going to eat all that. You'll have grandchildren of your own, don't you? Well, last of all, we can't forget that state tax, can we? Ooh, wait a minute. Mm. We're in Minnesota, aren't we? There's your Snickers bar. Oh, wait, wait. Here, this is funnier. Hold on just a minute. Payday! <laughs> uh, what, are you going to eat that right now? Hold it just a minute. <laughs> Sales tax. <laughs> you know, I, th I think kids are smarter than that. But if you did their kid, you wouldn't even get dressed up the next year. You're probably going to spend the whole evening on the couch in front of the tube. And wh when mom puts out that big bowl of candy for the other kids... He's just gonna walk over to that bowl, dump it in his bag. Hey, I'm on welfare. <laughs> hey, that's all for me. Thank you very much. Good night. I love to uh, hate uh, listening to your own bit. Uh, <laughs> you notice that? I noticed that. You noticed oh, the grimace. Was, you hear that laugh there? Uh, you know, I mean, right. I, I mean, the, the director's cut of this was really uh, perfect. Very enjoyable. Very good. Well, that's a great way to end the show. Thank you. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yay. Bye. Bye.